right, Blaine Kylo is with us. Blaine, and you're the coolest dad because you're all about the video games and the tech and stuff. But what about Taylor Swift tickets? Uh, do you, are you expected to provide those too? No, I've got a 16-year-old daughter who is very into Taylor right now, and I asked, um, and it was too late to do anything. We probably should have tried to get down to Seattle when those tickets came available. I put in for the advance. You know, there was that lottery to maybe get some advance tickets for Toronto, but my daughter very graciously told me that that wasn't necessary which is good because I didn't get selected for the advance tickets. Yeah, well, the odds were pretty slim. So let's talk about something that's a little easier to acquire. Uh, and uh, one thing I was noticing that Vancouver is going to host a Marvel game competition this fall for Battle Realm Brawl players. Now, of course, I know what Battle Realm Brawl is. But for people who don't know, uh, what, what is that? Is that a big deal? Yeah, well, it, it is for those who play. So this is coming from Kabam, which is a local developer here in Vancouver. They built Marvel Contest of Champions. It's a free-to-play mobile game that you can get on Android and iOS devices. And it's really, it's like arcade-style one-on-one fighting on your mobile device. It's a free-to-play thing. This thing was released in 2014, and it's still going strong in part because Kabam has continued to, like, unending updates, new characters, new game modes, new competitions, and things like that. And so in celebration of the 10th anniversary of this thing, Kabam is hosting an event in Vancouver this October. They're going to do a big tournament in person. They're going to give people an opportunity to get a look at some of the future game updates that are coming, an opportunity to meet developers. But of course, if you want to have a tournament, you've got to have preliminary matches. And those began today. So on August 9th, the 10th um, season of Gladiator Circuit of Battlegrounds launched. And this is the pre-competition that will determine the eight players that will go head-to-head in person in Vancouver in October during this festival. So anybody out there who's a Contest of Champions player, if you're in Season 10, you've got a shot at being one of the eight. The top four players are going to be the first around the world who get a new champion added to their roster. That's one of the, the, um, the prizes that can be won. Tickets are free. They're all available online. And if you can't make your way to Vancouver for this thing, Kabam's going to broadcast the whole thing on their Twitch channel. Mm-hmm. And if you're a parent and your kid is playing video games all the time like this, um, uh, rest assured, it could pay off. Because I know with my son, he played a lot of video games. Now he works in the video game industry, which is kind of a cool thing. And you have a story about a Ukrainian soldier who is piloting drones, and he credits most of it to playing video games. Yeah, this is something that I saw courtesy of Reuters report reporting from uh, Ukraine and the, the, the war with Russia. And their story was about this drone pilot, and he credits playing video games with his hand-eye coordination. He actually is in what amounts to a virtual reality headset. And so the drones that he's piloting He's not looking at a screen. He's actually, it's like he's in the drone and piling at it um, with the headset on. 
And the, the quote from the article is, every time I put on my goggles and take the joystick, I think about my mother telling me those video games won't do me any good. Well, if this isn't useful, then what is? Just a, an, an interesting way that you can turn some of the skills developed in playing video games into real-world skills that can be useful. Yeah, useful. And it's, it's too bad it's come to that, but because it probably causes a lot of destruction. But, um, you know, depending on, on how you look at this, it's a, it could be a positive thing. Um, so let's, let's talk about tech. Uh, there was kind of a funny story about how Zoom was asking its employees, uh, you know, to start coming into work. <laughs> they were working from home and they were starting to generally gradually uh, get their employees. This is Zoom uh, to come into to the office instead of working from home. But uh, there's some big changes over at Zoom uh, right now. Yeah, Zoom is a really interesting company. They keep finding ways to step in it. And, you know, at one point um, they were, as you say, you know, a company that essentially became as big as it is and made all their money during the pandemic when everybody had to work from home. And it, it, it's interesting that they're saying, yes, we made all of our money because of uh, working from home and video conferencing, and yet you should be in the office here so that we don't have to video conference. Um, back in 2020, they were in hot water for sharing against the rules and without customers knowing information with Facebook for people who were using Zoom. And last week, they updated their terms of service, and it raised a lot of red flags for people because it appeared to be giving the company wide-ranging rights to train artificial intelligence using the content created by customers. So the concern is, is that by using Zoom, that they're going to be able to take the information from your meeting and use that to train artificial intelligence models for facial recognition, for audio processing, for all kinds of things. Um, and this, of course, is of great concern because there are lots of formal institutions. It's not just, you know, keeping in touch with the grandparents so that they can see their grandchild. There are courts of law that are using Zoom to conduct business. There are doctors who use this video conferencing service to attend to remote patients. Um, there's all pro-secondary institutions are using Zoom. And so if Zoom wants a license to take all of those meetings and be able to use that information to train artificial intelligence, it's kind of stomping on pretty much every privacy security law that you can think of. Now, Zoom has since tried to walk that back, saying that despite change to our terms of service, we're not actually going to use any of your customer content to train models without your consent. But I'm wondering if maybe the damage is already done and Zoom's going to see a lot of people bailing on that service in favor of others because of the overreach in their terms of service. Interesting. Because, I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, mental therapy goes on on Zoom, all these different things, a lot of teaching, and that's so much information. Um, and Google, 
This is uh, an interesting thing. It, I, I guess it seems fair, but I know a lot of people, you know, they open up Google accounts just to have a little bit of uh, storage for things in the cloud. But then, because I know that I've done that, and then I've forgotten all about it after two years. And now Google's going to deactivate accounts that haven't been used in two years. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if you're old enough to remember when Google was first getting started and you actually had to try and nag friends to get an invite so that you could get your Gmail account and get your Gmail address. I remember those days when wow. everybody, it was hard to get one of those. Google doesn't seem to have that problem anymore. In fact, they've got the opposite problem. They've got too many accounts that are dormant. And it's just, this is really just about maintenance and keeping things clean in the back of the house. And so I think that this is probably a policy that's been around, but Google hasn't really been enforcing it. But they're going to start enforcing it by the end of this year, that if you have an account that they declare as inactive, then that is an account that hasn't really been used for two years. They reserve the right to deactivate that account. Now, they're not going to do it without notifying you, so they're going to do everything that they can. They're going to email you to your Google address. They're going to email the um, secondary addresses that you might have tied to that Google account when you set it up. Um, and try and give you a chance to activate the account. And there's lots of ways that you can make your account active. You can just send an email or do a bunch of other things. They've got a support article that makes a, it clear what you can do to keep an account active. But if uh, people have created accounts and they've just let them go, Google's going to delete them and they're going to delete the data associated with them after two years. Interesting. I know banks do that with things like lines of credit accounts. If you, you sometimes have to schedule like a dollar uh, to go in and out of it because if you leave it for more than a year, or so, it depends on the bank, the institution, but they can, uh, they can close the account and then you got to go through a whole bunch of paperwork to open it up again. Well, thank you very much, Blaine. Always a pleasure to talk to you. You too, Martin.